Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. But the yeah. more you know, the less you know, mm. if that makes sense. And I think that it's, it's really opened my eyes up going deeper into the qualifications and deeper into my learning, how, how little you know about... The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Network, guys. My name is Coach Yas, and today I'm joined by my co-host as usual, Ben. How's it going, Ben? All good. Ready for an insightful chat. Brilliant. Um, and today we've got a very special guest with us today. Um, prepare yourself for this, a bit of a mouthful. I've got James Barlow, currently working as Senior Academy Analyst at Portsmouth, as well as the Under-18s Assistant Coach. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. And he's also got an interesting um, additional role in his armoury, and that is currently working as a National Pathway Coach um, within the futsal um, pathway for the FA. Welcome, James. How are you? I'm brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Good stuff. Um, James, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into the, the thick of it. Where did that journey begin and how did you get to where you got to now? Um, it's, it's funny, really, because I never actually got into um, the love of coaching until probably about 16, 17 or e- even more football. Um, so I suppose it all fueled from me going to Fratton Park with my dad in Portsmouth uh, 2002 watching them win the Division 1. And ever since that, it, it sort of fueled a bit of a passion. Um, but it sort of started from my first job. So my first job was working at a goal soccer centre. Um, now, this just popped up, a little five-a-side place. And I thought, oh, this would be a great first job. Um, in there, obviously, you've got five-a-side leagues, you've got birthday parties, you've sometimes got Saturday morning coaching. And I was probably there every day of the week during the summer, uh, just trying to earn a bit of money. And every Saturday, I'd, I'd be doing... Uh, kids parties, I might be doing three or four kids parties a day on a Saturday or a Sunday um, and it, through that sort of time then I did my level one with one of my good friends and um, absolutely loved it and I thought one of those things where I was, I was out of my comfort zone I, I enjoyed being around people anyway and just having a bit of a laugh and I thought you know, I think this is a bit of me um, I had some really good teachers at school uh, which sort of fueled a sort of love for um, developing in sport really and then from there I went to university uh, went to Loughborough uh, which I did my level two studied sports coaching uh, as a BSc did my youth awards up there um, but during that sort of period of time I then got involved with a bit of grassroots first in the women's game uh, working with a local Loughborough Luff- Foxes a local team up there uh, then I started getting involved with um, I didn't really get to play up in at the uni. I sort of made a decision of, should I go and try out and play for the uni or should I just think, you know what, I, I put all my eggs in one basket and get a bit of coaching. And um, from there, I, I started to um, coach at the futsal club at the university. Uh, they were competing in the Super League at that time. Uh, but at the same time, I was um, 
coaching at the college, Loughborough College, as their first team coach. And I was probably about 19 then. And as that sort of developed, I did my B licence at 19 at um, St. George's um, when it was a pass and fail. And I'll tell you what, it was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in that sort of period of time, just in terms of how it, it, it was quite cutthroat then. And I suppose you, you're going in and it, it, there was a black and white answer. It was, no, this is how you coach. This isn't how you coach. And that, that's developed over the last sort of 10 years. But... I look at it and I think um, it was an incredible experience. So then from there, I did, as, as people do, you don't know what to do with your summer after uni. And I went over to America for three months with Challenger Sports. And I think during that period of time, that really threw me into an uncomfortable situation, living away uh, three months without my family. Uh, obviously, Loughborough-wise, I was away from my family anyway. But being able to be completely dependent on myself, um, Sometimes you you rock up and you, you're coaching a two-year-old and it's just you and four two-year-olds and you think, oh my goodness, what what should I do? Um, and you end up doing kick the coach and they're chasing you for an hour. Um, or it could be you've got 15 half-decent players that you've got to really technically develop and they, they've got a different ethos over there in terms of that really strong technical outcomes. Um, and I think over that period of time that it allowed me to be really adaptive with um, I suppose pulling sessions out and having a go, getting it wrong and developing on that. And I think since that sort of three-month period, that, that first year at, at uni and everything, I really caught the bug for it. And um, I then went and did my A licence at 25. Um, I was the, the head of the women's football team as a, as a programme lead at Loughborough. Uh, was there for three years. And I think that sort of journey itself taught me loads in terms of, being accountable for a program, having ownership. I think we had 95 girls in that program, um, having a staff team around 16 and, and just those various experiences itself. And I suppose beyond that as well, uh, I've had se several roles after that, but I think that's where it all really kicked off. And I think my, my learning as a coach has really fueled since developing more in the futsal pathway, but at the same time within, um, I suppose, completing my A licence and I think that's where it all started for me after that and just on there you know you're quite quite an interesting part of start to that bit here. Um, what, you know you're talking about the past of Phil um, in the terms of the, the B licence and obviously how things have obviously changed now um, just interested mm. what, what year did you take your A licence uh, so I was 25 so that is what three years ago? Okay, so so just uh, just after the, I guess the pathway changed in terms of it. Yes, being yeah, absolutely, more, yeah. Um, I guess a journey rather than an uh, an exam, shall we say? Yes, um, yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts in terms of that aspect of things? I mean, I I went through a similar journey. Did my B license, old format, and A license, new format. A couple, I mm. think it's around the same time, really. I think it was 2016. I did mine. Um, what were your I think it, thoughts on that? I think it was really beneficial for me, to be honest, because I was balancing the youth award at the same time. And I did mine at, um, with the Loughborough Women's Programme and it allowed me to really delve deeper with my tutor, who was Craig Hinton, into um, what I believed in and how I wanted to play. Um, and it, it was very much centred around, we were in a top division within university. There was quite a lot of pressure in terms of uh, maintaining that status. So it, and I think you get quite emotionally involved with the coaching because you want to improve and you want to get you you want to um, make a really good impression. One because you think that you've got um, a status with that sort of university, but at the same time yourself wanting to make an impression of how you are as a coach. But I think what taught me a lot is it wasn't all about the X and the O's as, as we were talking before. It was a lot of it was getting to know the girls, what made them tick, getting to know the university, getting to know the league, getting to know the coaches that I was with, the staff that I was really fortunate to work with uh, and just what I could really bring to the table. And I think that the journey itself allowed me to think beyond just what football, what 352, what 443 was and understanding that how am I going to get the best out of these girls that are working to become um, sports scientists, lawyers, engineers, and understanding that there's a completely different context. Um, whilst during that time working within professional football at, at Burton Albion um, and at Boston United in the conference. And I think that I had three different experiences during that time in football that 
allowed me to, um, I suppose, pinch ideas, get things wrong. Um, and that environment allowed me to really take ownership of what I believed was right and what I, and I, I suppose I had to hold myself accountable if it went wrong. Um, and I think that the A license itself allowed me to nurture that reflection. Mm. Just, you know, just beyond that, then, you know, would you mind maybe just offering some insight and thoughts on those coaches who are maybe now going through the pathway now? Um, mm. And, you know, I've spoken to quite a few of the coaches in recent times where they maybe express some frustrations because they feel that um, maybe there's not as much emphasis or at least from the, from a, from a tutor delivery perspective around the technical elements of the course. And it, you know, it seems to be much more focused around the other three corners in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And what would your advice be to maybe coaches who have uh, got that mindset around potentially how to develop that technical aspect a bit more? Yeah, I, I think, look, especially during this period of time, there, there is a volume and a sheer volume of content around tactical, technical development. But it, I don't believe that that sort of things is a, is a one-size-fits-all approach. I think the you, you, could, you can tell the X and the O's all day, but I think that you have to challenge the character of the players that you're with, their, their decisions. But how you, I suppose it's, it's finding that process of supporting the player's decision. Now, sometimes it might be... Um, you need to, as a nine, shut off the line in between the five and the six. And there are non-negotiables that you'll find as a, as, a tactic, as a tactic that you like as such. But I suppose a lot of it will be, if depending on how you work, is the principles of what you'd like. Um, now, I personally, I did a lot of research around the game, um, about formations, about understanding different things, reading different books. And I think you get in a cycle of trying to know too much. Um, and I think sometimes you've got to take a step back and go, well, actually, who am I coaching? Um, mm. What do they really need to know? And probably this is a bit too much for them or even for me at the moment, because if if they question me and go, well, why am I doing that? And you aren't able to give them the justification, the rationale. And just because you've seen someone play out from the back like it and you want to emulate that, I think that's, that's a really difficult thing to do. But I think it's important to get wrong and have a go. But at the same time, I think it's really important to go, well, what do I need as a coach? What do players need? And create a bit of a journey between that and understand that you might say to the players that I, I want to try this formation because I am learning at the moment. We're all learning. Um, I'm trying this system, but these are the principles that I like. I really want high pressure. I want to play in between lines. I want to face forward in possession. And I think when you have those underlying principles, it probably doesn't matter what tactic you play. It's all about the sort of spatial understanding and the, uh, the invasion game aspect to it, denying denying one end, scoring in the other end, or however you like. You know, I think that's a, a very good point uh, that you made there. And yes, it's kind of brought up in um, sort of like previous podcasts that we had that in terms of that sort of, um, you're sharing your journey with the players in terms of mm. your development, that you're being open to them, like, okay, cool, I haven't tried this before, um, but like, let's have a go at it. Sort of thing, yeah. but you have that consistency there, where like you know, there's there is general things you would expect regardless of what formation it is that you're playing and stuff like that. Yeah, and and also just about that whole sort of element of um, knowing your players, um, you you have quite like a you know varied sort of experience um, uh, whilst you are you're up at Loughborough, so you're doing um, Burton Albion's academy there, uh, Boston United, and the women's game. Like, can yeah. you talk to us a bit about like the sort of differences that you experience in those sort of different um, teams there? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think I, I needed something a little bit more during that period of time. Um, I absolutely love the university system, but I think as a coach, I always crave that little bit more. Um, I suppose what the real game is, um, mm. and because that's where uh, that's where I want to be. I, I, I want to I want to set my goals high, and I, I want to really try and challenge myself now. The, the period of time, I was quite lucky and fortunate where I, when I was working at Burton, I was fortunate to work with um, Adam Murray and Carl Hawley, who were working with the 15-16s with me at Burton. And uh, during that time, Adam got the job at Boston United, um, to which I asked for an element of experience, which I was fortunate to get. And I think sometimes you have to take these opportunities and that, that sort of six months for me during his time there before he went um, to a set, to another club was probably the biggest experience I've ever had in football um, was understanding what 
the changing room is like in a in a very performance dominated environment uh, understanding what it looked like when it was their jobs understanding the enjoyment they had from it and the camaraderie they had as players um and then the flip side of that is the development football within the under 12s and the other 15s and the players within the academy and i went from uh, burton to uh, nottingham forest and between those two academies it, it was it's brilliant to see um I think being being around the development aspect of football, when I think what I learned from those three different things are um, very very different experiences, uh, but all very similar in in different ways. So obviously, with the with the Burton aspect, it's they they were very clear, clear with their philosophy of hard working individuals, very purposeful with their work, and I think. That, that was brilliant for their catchment area and the players that they had. Within the, the women's side of the things, we, we were on a separate journey. Um, yeah. They did it because it was, their, that was their, it was their love. It was what they enjoyed. It was the community aspect of it. And then the Boston aspect, it was their job. It was, their, it was what they used to pay their mortgage. And I think each and every one of those had responsibilities. Each and every one of those, you embrace certain qualities of yourself so that the under 12s it allowed or the under 15s it allowed me to, to to question more it allowed me to find more guided discovery it, it allowed me to i suppose have a, a variety with my coaching um with the girls it was very much um i'm going to try and teach you a certain way of playing and let's get it let's try and get it right let's try and get it wrong together but that i suppose that was me molding my belief in how the game should be played and then at mm. boston I, I was very much facilitating what my views were. I was on set piece duty at times. I was on the touchline during match day when we're, we got Salford away on a Tuesday night. And it, it's a different area of the game where suddenly if someone loses their man on a corner, it was, it was so massive. And it, it really opened my eyes up to um, the responsibility that players have in games and the character needed mm. to play the game at that level. And um, just to delving a bit deeper, like um, you've already kind of started to touch on in terms of like the the differences of like uh, in Boston and like with uh, Loughborough women, uh, in terms of like you know Boston, are, you know they they are playing to win and like to to win is the be all or end all, and like mm. for some of them, for some of them that win bonus is definitely needed to um, yeah. to to fund their their living and whatnot. Um, but in particularly with um, the coaching, did you see yourself communicating in like different ways uh, with like female players in comparison to the male players? Because I've had experiences of both as well, and I felt like it, it like it is different. Not that it's necessarily a good different or bad different, but it is different in the in the way that you generally communicate with them. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, it's about that connection. Um, I would have different relationships with the with the female players in the way that I, I may have, because I had the contact time with them. I may have sit down one-to-ones with them and have a coffee with them and discuss how their degree is. And uh, I suppose get to know the wider aspects. So the coaching was probably done quite a lot off the pitch in the women's game. Mm. Um, and I suppose just sheerly down to the, the volume of contact time that I had at Boston, which was I suppose two nights a week. It was, it was quite uh, it was very different really. It was, um, this is your role, complete your role. Uh, but you, you had that responsibility and then you get to know the really big characters and the groups. And um, I just think at times that there's no different way that I communicated. It was just, I suppose, the message may have been different because of the level and the, the difference within the game. But in terms of, I, I, was, a, I was a lead coach at Loughborough and I was assistant coach at Boston. So I think mm. in terms of, other aspects, I, I probably communicate in a very similar way in the way that I would speak quite one-to-one with a lot of players um, because my message was quite small at the Boston aspect and it was the best way to communicate within the Loughborough aspect. And, um, but I think w- one of the things that really challenged my coaching was within the futsal aspect of trying to see the game on, under a different microscope, really, mm. in terms of... And I think that probably made me a better coach is seeing it so such a condensed um, form of the game, 5v5, watching it so far, so emotional and really trying to distinguish the tactics and the techniques. And I think that, that really helped me with, I suppose, the, the way that I communicated within those two different formats. I think that's um, a good point that you're making there as well in terms of uh, thoughts on me and the Ast were 
uh, fortunate enough to was was still amateurs in it, but were fortunate enough to do do our futsal level one like years ago, um, and like even from that uh, we kind of saw like the the minor sort of differences and like you know a lot of people like to differentiate futsal from football a lot, but then when you really break the um, game down, there's a lot of small games happening in the big game. And, yeah. like, you know, there's situations where there's, like, small overloads and that's essentially, like, even an even smaller version of futsal that's going going on there. So, like, um, how have you seen it kind of help um, when you are, like, coaching in terms of the 11-a-side game in, in regards to, like, the sort of technical and tactical aspects of it? So, I think... It's a great question. I, I think it, it it probably allowed because the game is so quick in futsal. You probably have a lot of your coaching is off the court, um, so I wouldn't be able to say orders onto the court at all because as soon as I want to say what I want, and it's already processed in my mind that there's already three different moments that have occurred. So after, mm. um, so I think it, and especially when you have timeouts in futsal, you've got one minute under a pressured environment to make a specific amount of feedback whether and it it can't just be babble it has to be specific and honest um and i I think what what it's allowed me to do is understand the different demands of the game more um so players don't want to make mistakes it's not it's not there they don't purposely go out on the pitch to go i'm going to go and do this wrong um and i think it's 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 being able to probably step back from the game and allow us to notice more as coaches um, so how we support their decisions as, as players is really, really important for us because we, we've got to give the responsibility to the players to make decisions in futsal because of it's being so quick. So I think that I've got some friends, thankfully, from Loughborough who have got some really, really good academic knowledge about perception and understanding of different stresses and affordances within skill acquisition. And mm-hmm. um, being able to understand like the, the game state, the the, the speed of the pressure itself, how to read pressure, specific angles of how you receive the ball, how you support your friend, what the the main emotional states that players go into. Um, I think when when you break those down, a lot of the time in football, um, and it, it was a really big thing that I used to do, is just coach during. Uh, but I think what futsal has allowed me to do is coach more in the before and after phase. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I spoke about lows at the moment, but it's something I've really tried to challenge myself within is people are messing up on their receiving skills, but it might be because in the previous before phase, they haven't moved or orientated their position of their body um, enough to create mm. um, a position to receive to play forward, or they're not facing forward in it. So, and then understanding where if I then drop into this space, does the defender follow me? Or if they do, then I actually have created this this disguise for the player on the ball to just play through the lines. Or if he doesn't, because he's still protecting centrally because he's compact, then I'm open. And I think it's that that scenario-based coaching that has really allowed me to probably change how I question. Um, So the, the perceptional side of questioning and creating a framework around that of, um, what do you think is most important in that, in that moment? How, what have you noticed? What do you see? What do, what do you feel? What is now affecting your decision-making uh, as a pair, as an individual, as a three? And I think what futsal allows you to do is there's, there's a big thing about coaching in pairs and anything mm. in the game is, is a paired or a, or a third-man connection. Um, anything mm. more than that is, is an influence, really. So I think when, when you strip that back down, it's, in football, how do people support one another? Are people connected through eye contact? Are people connected through their distance? Um, but at the same time, then being able to really, um, what's the word, dilute the or strip it down the technical detail to then bring it back up for their decision making. Mm. No, I think that's um, a very good point uh, that you're making there because it feels like. Um, you know, coaches are always rushing to the bigger picture of like the tactical aspects of the game, but then mm. some some players aren't even able to execute like the sort of technique correctly. Mm. So like that like, is all good. You talking about like how you want them spaced out and all this, but if the player is struggling with the basic receiving or doesn't know how to, it kind of falls on us a bit um, to take responsibility of that. Um, I just want to go back now to um, your timeline. So mm-hmm. uh, currently now, fast forwarding. Uh, you're now the assistant PDP uh, coach at 
at Portsmouth as well as the academy senior academy analyst there, and you're doing on um, the performance analyst uh, job uh, for the England futsal team as yeah. well, the under 19s. Um, what does your role now entail day to day? How are you balancing um, it all out? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, uh, so the, the role that I've just got was. Um, thankfully just before lockdown now during that period of time obviously there's been very minimal football um mm. so i think at the moment it's 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 almost planning into the return to play for next season um now that what what i would like to try and involve in the role is that integration of uh performance analysis with the coaching um so when we're on camp sometimes with the futsal it might be we've got a session on our possession we might show a, a video of how we defend within um, as a high press. So two minutes of clips of that, bang, this is our examples. And then we go and train on it. Uh, and then the, it's being filmed and you might clip the training during that. And I think that integration during the process of coaching, planning, reviewing and all of that is, is really key. Um, and it allows the players to reflect in action and po- post event. And I think it's something I would like to bring into Portsmouth, but at the same time, really challenging myself in, in utilising the technology, um, bringing players into more of a, um, being accountable for their own individual clips, their own learning of themselves, um, because, because there's so much information that they can get provided now. I think it's, they've got an opinion and I think it's really important to understand their opinion of the game. Um, because when, when they're going to go into a senior changing room, it's, it's, it's not necessarily go, here's everything I know. It's, well, can you do this role? Do you understand this role? Can you contribute and do this role for the team? And the more they reflect upon themselves and their niche and their quality as players um, and developing that sort of tactical, technical and uh, understanding, but being accountable for their decisions. So uh, at times they will get loads of clips themselves, but sometimes they just sit on a computer and they're they're underutilised. And I think I really want to make sure that... Mm what we do is is streamline and utilize so it, we film it we review it we train um then when they come back they might go oh can i just have a little look at my uh, the set pieces from the weekend brilliant no problem then you sit then what what they really want to do next year is that, that more one to one and that introduction of um set next year for for performance um professional clubs sorry with their education is really important so when they finish their apprenticeship they'll understand their role more their clarity so if they're a center half they're a forward they'll know exactly why and what is required of them as a within that position um so that sort of that holistic piece of can can you do more as individuals because it's not just me trying to educate you you've got to try and educate yourself but bring me into that and bring me as and let's have that conversation um so I, i think the role in itself is developing um, I think the role of analysis and the use of video and everything is, is forever growing within football. And I think it's really exciting to bring that in, in part of the coaching. Um, and also just, just being part and supporting the, the brilliant work that's already happening, really. No, I think um, that's, a, that's actually a good way of going forward because uh, like from my little experiences in academy, like I feel like analysis isn't, used as effective as it really should be and mm. um you kind of brought it up in terms of like yeah from the technical and tactical um aspects of it it, it helps a lot um, with the players in terms of like the way they're viewing the game and kind of like opening their eyes up a bit more to the bigger picture of it but also mm. from like a psychological perspective when that player feels like they are underperforming you show them like the mm. highlights of of yeah. their performances it does remind them of why they are there Sort of thing. So it's a really effective 100%. tool. A really effective and it, tool. And I think it's it's really important to see what they see. So mm. we always we're standing on the side of the pitch, or I've got a lovely gantry that I can watch over and an aerial view, but we we won't necessarily know what they feel and see in that time. Um, and of course, we want to challenge that because we expect really exceptional uh, attributes of those players at times um, because. Go into a really tough world of being a professional footballer. You've you've got to be something really special, mm. and it's it's not always. It's sometimes it can just be about how they read the game, what they see. They won't always be the best technically gifted player, and I think that that attribute of embracing what they really are bringing to the table. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But at the same time, then understanding, taking a step back and reviewing and being quite critical and critiquing their own performances to, to be better in what they do. I think just something that you touched on there, James, about you know them reviewing and being critical about their own performances. Hmm. I think that's a large piece that um, maybe a lot of coaches, coaches maybe often, I guess, overlook or just completely, you know, don't really see the value in. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, we have this whole thing, especially right now. Everyone's talking about things being player led and player centered and whatnot. And obviously, I think within that, it's important to highlight there's a major difference. Yeah. Um, obviously, for some. But first and foremost, I think when it is player centered, it, there's nothing wrong with the coach taking that taking that initiative. You know, I, I personally don't believe the players always need to take um, the initiative and take the first steps towards, I guess, their own development. As long as they, un, as long as there's an understanding of what the, I guess, the process that's being followed in that moment in time is is trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of to build on that, then, what would you say are some key things that maybe you've observed and you've, I guess, come across in helping players develop that self-awareness yeah i think i think the self-awareness piece in itself is is such a it's such a big book to try and understand yeah. i think it's, it's something that i'm trying to really understand more um i think firstly it's detracting their emotion so it's rational thinking um i think a lot of the times there there's there's pressure on them and i think sometimes being in that pressured environment uh, being us noticing what they do is is key, but they. I think it is important for them to review um, the good things, but sometimes when it when it goes wrong, they need to be accountable for it. And um, being able to be part of that journey, where it can't just be a straight linear line. It's it's going to have its ups. It's going to have its downs. There's going to be days where they're really struggling with the game, and they're going to struggle getting up and down the pitch. They're going to struggle with their first touch. And I think it. Those are the days where. They need to probably review. Um, it, it's the environment that you set as well. Now, mm-hmm. what we don't want to do is create fear. We want them to make mistakes. And I think they, the more they make, the better their, their their longevity of their experience and their sustainability of their character will, will perform. Um, they need to have those bad games to make to know what it feels like. But they also need to have those jubilation moments where they go, oh, I was brilliant today. Um, and I think it can't all be middle ground. It has to have a an up and a down. Um, and I think there's that, there's that photo where sometimes it's what, what does the end result look like? Is it a nice straight line to the, to the um, end flag or is it ups and downs? You're going over a lake of crocodiles, you're going over a mountain and that's probably what it is. But I think what, what we all need to probably do in our coaching is, is listen and question. Um, so they want to impress all the time. But they're especially in the in the youth development phase in the in the PDP phase, they're they're going through such a tough physical time in their development and going through such bodily changes, going through being top of the school to bottom of the school to then top of the school to then becoming almost your full time job at sixteen, being a being a scholar, um, and it, it's a really really tough time. But at the same time, understanding that is it is an incredible incredible job that they have an incredible opportunity in what they do and the harder they work at it, the more they challenge one another, the more they challenge themselves, that the rewards will come. Um, and you can't say that for everyone and success will look very different. And I think it's, if they're critical and they're reviewing all those things, you're creating skills that will help them in life, regardless of football, um, wherever they go, whether they go to university, whether they work in, whether they go in non-league, whether they go into futsal at times, whether they, go into business and I think the qualities that they get from the experiences that they find will will put them in really good stead. Definitely and you sort of touch on there about, you know, developing essentially as them as people rather than just players in that mm. respect. Just interested to know, you know, obviously through your journey now, if you've had any 
major influences that maybe helped you develop as a person and maybe what some of the biggest lessons you've taken from them are? Yeah, I've I've been really, really lucky to work with some outstanding coaches. And I think think it'd be very similar to a lot of people, but my family have been incredibly supportive of me. Um, Living away for, I I was away for eight years, trying to be dependable on it. And I think that I've got two separate journeys going off in one. Uh, I've got the futsal side and I've got the football side and I've I've got people in those areas that have really influenced me. So I've been really fortunate to work under a lot of the England um, coaches. I worked under Mike Sigabala, I worked with um, Mark Forrest, I worked with many, many different coaches within those areas and uh, Sean Kitson and... um, and I think those people themselves in futsal have, have really challenged my thinking. And I think we've got a really good ethos where we're, we're not afraid to to get it wrong with each other, but someone brings something to the table. When you question them why, it's not because we're going, well, we're not sure of that. It's because we're really curious and we want we want to develop. We want to be part of a journey. And I think within the futsal, football side of things, I, I worked some... The academies I've worked under have been absolutely outstanding for me and my personal development. And more recently at, at Forest, working with uh, Dan Bale, Don Gethfield, Jody Caldwell, and, and Gary Brazil, I think a lot of the time what what they what I've taken from them is it's it's okay to not know everything. I think when when you go through all your all your licenses and all the qualifications and you you sit there and you watch people and you take so many notes and, during, and people will be like that during lockdown at the moment. I'm still doing it is you're trying to create every bit of get all those golden nuggets, put it together and then try and understand and put it in your own context. And I think then it's going, well, what is my niche as a coach and what can I bring to the table? Um, and I think, but well, during those times, everyone's given me an opportunity to have ownership and responsibility and being accountable for what I do. And I think that's probably, taught me so much and I've had more things go wrong in that sort of time than I have done gone right and I think that you have to be in environments that you're comfortable with getting things wrong um, and one of the biggest environments that I was with and people that really helped me was, it was a guy called John Harper who was the translator for the England deaf squads um, I was I was fortunate to be the under 21's deaf futsal head coach for about a season and a bit and um, that that was a very accelerated learning opportunity for me I, coaching through a translator making sure my message and my clarity was consistent and and simple and I think that that sort of period of time um, from such a complex game trying to simplify it to a matter of a tweet if you like um, what is it 150 characters was mm. was really really tough and having those one-to-one conversations with those coaches and coaches that I'm currently working with as well would have been really, really beneficial. And I, I think it, I, I wouldn't say I, over the last sort of nine, 10 years of coaching, I've still got bundles and loads and loads to learn. And I think it, it's still trying to understand what works for me. Um, but I think I'm nearly getting there, I think, but I think it's still take, take ownership, take responsibility, learn and, and just get it wrong, but allow the players to be part of that and create an environment that is, it's fun and enjoyable. Mm. And just just on that, then you know, you talk there about creating that environment, but that is fun and enjoyable. Um, and that being, I guess, you know, essentially, it's some element of your philosophy. What, what, what how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Because I mean, you've had a bit of experience across the different disciplines in terms of, uh, you know, working as an analyst, working mm. obviously as, as a football coach, and obviously having that experience working in the futsal futsal domain. How would you say those things have shaped and what would you say those things have shaped your philosophy into? Yeah, I think um, when I was at Nottingham Uni last year, that really challenged me for trying to create a culture. Um, but I think what what I really wanted to show is, I suppose, a big part of my philosophy is just that relationship aspect, that connection that you have with people. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very open. I'm very honest. I like to try and find solutions as a group. Um, I, I'm very open in the aspect. I'm not going to have all the answers, but I'll really try hard to try and find the answer. Um, and if I don't, then try and find it with me. So I'm, I'm willing to put myself out of my comfort zone and expose myself. But I think, and I'm happy to be accountable, but I think the biggest thing for me is when you, when I leave somewhere or when I, when I left Nottingham, I wanted to leave somewhere that people people really enjoyed the journey that they were on. 
and people really enjoy being part of something. And I think that I wouldn't say that's necessarily philosophy, but happy people making better and happy players um, normally get the best out of them. Now, I'm really, really conscious about those sort of things. And if you, if you don't enjoy what you do, you're probably not going to do very well at it at times. Um, I think sometimes when you're going through development football or performance football, you, you can lose sight of that sometimes. And I think trying to keep, still keep that fire burning, that, that hunger and that, that pure love for the game um, is really, really important for me. Definitely. And, you know, just kind of just touching on there, you know, those are some of the, I guess, important factors for you. I just got out of curiosity now, you know, if over your time working across the different disciplines, if there's any, if there's been any things that you would maybe try and avoid and maybe try and steer away from in that respect, obviously, you know, a large part of what you said there is linking in with the players, having that connection with the players and, you know, certainly you touched on it earlier as well, even when you're working with the women's side, taking some mm. time out to get to know the players on a deeper level. Um, and, and I think it can often go overlooked at times as that in terms of how important that connection can be in terms of just just that building that trust with the players and sometimes just having that trust in that. I think being vulnerable with them can take you a long way as well. Mm. Um, I'd just be curious to know, you know moving, moving on a little bit, as to if you had any specific things that help keep you inspired and motivated to keep, I guess, pushing and striving to become better at what you do. Um, and, I, you know, I can't, and I'll, I'll be assuming it, and I'm sure, I'm sure I'm not going to be far off that, you know, your passion for the game is obviously one of those things. Mm. Um, but obviously, coaching can be a quite a rewarding uh, job or however you wish to look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what keeps me... What else would you think will keep you inspired and motivated? Um, it's, a, it's a great question because I think I, I speak to my friends all about it all the time. Um, they love football. Uh, they always ask me about it and they think, oh my God, you've got such an amazing job. And I think <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't know the half of it. But I think Tell them to do a wet Tuesday night <laughs> session. <laughs> and I think what, it's, what, what keeps me inspired and motivated is Again, it is that I, I love I love what I do. I think it, that as a job, you seeing what you can get out of people, seeing what you can challenge yourself, and sometimes you take a step back and go, "Wow, that was that was pretty special," or that that was. And it, again, as as Ben said, it could be a Tuesday night where you're just getting absolutely hammered on with rain, and sometimes you get that last minute winner, and it's just all all your worries have gone. Or, and I, I think that just the pure emotion of it is really exciting. But I think it's it's being part of something, being part of a journey. And having your having a purpose within what you do, and then people, I suppose what's exciting for me is having those conversations in maybe twenty, thirty years time. We're going, who who made that impact in your coach, coaching or your playing career? And I, I, I would love for one player out of hundreds that I may have coached to to say what I could have helped them with, whether that is imparting the tiniest little thing, putting a smile on their face, whatever it may be. And I think what what motivates me is. It's, you, you don't you don't know what could be, um, and it's it sky's the limit almost with coaching. Um, but I also I think it's sometimes, and I, I I was in education for about six years teaching, and what what really got me through some of that sometimes is, and I love the teaching, the the the, the connection you have with the players. But sometimes afterwards, I'd finish finish teaching and go, oh, I'm coaching tonight, I can't wait, or I, I want to try something new. This is really exciting then. I think what what excites me at the moment is is obviously coaching and being part of a club club that I've, I've supported since probably the age of five. Um, mm. Seeing them in the Europa League, seeing them with well a team that I absolutely loved, seeing them win Division One, and being through the emotions of it. And I suppose it's 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 quite exciting. Um, but I, I'd say probably the, the coaching journey within professional football is is. It's very, very limited for me. Yet, as so far, I've I've only really been in academy football for five years, and I think in the grand scheme of things, I'm so young within coaching. So I think that what 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 excites me is going away to those tours potentially with England, trying to win something, trying to be part of something, trying to develop players with those different experiences, trying to be part of um, developing a culture, developing framework of playing, and just. Being around the pitch, really, I, I don't think there's a better feeling than seeing that pitch with a little bit of dew on top of it, ready to see a little sidewinder hit the back of the net. Uh, 
just got, uh, you know, kind of leading on from that, you know, what would you say are some of the biggest bugbears that you might have within coaching? You know, I mean, we've all got them. Um, yeah. Sometimes we see them, it's like certain things, you know, they almost make us uh, cringe a little bit um, when we do see them. You know, what, what, what would those things be for you? <laughs> I, I think it's a really good question. And when I saw that um, in preparation for, I thought, oh my Lord, what, what do I say? And I, I think, I, I thought about me, <laughs> I thought about me first and I thought, Probably my biggest bugbear with coaching is, and I've done it loads, is, is thinking that you know, but yeah. the more you know, the less you know, mm. if that makes sense. And I think that it's, it's really opened my eyes up going deeper into the qualifications and deeper into my learning, how, how little you know about cognitive development, ch- child development, matru- maturity, the, the tactics of the game and how complex, but yet how simple the game really is. And I think one of the biggest bugbears for me is, it's, it's the classic quote of listening to reply, um, but not listening to understand. And and taking that moment where sometimes you need to t- listen to what people are saying. I had a really good CPD a couple of years ago of an international negotiator um, teaching us the art of listening effectively, paraphrasing what people say, using questions based on what people were talking about. And I think that that over the last couple of years has really, really zoned in on me because I think when, you, when you're in a room of coaches, obviously, and I've done it loads and you go, oh, I can't wait to say this because it, I want to show what I know. But a lot of the time it's don't show what you need to know. It's it, it be part of the conversation, but understand what people are saying, digest it, feel it and go, well, actually, yeah, I've had this or no, I'm going to challenge that a little bit because this is my understanding. Um, and I think that would probably be my biggest bugbear. And um, you've really started to kind of uh, touch on all through the conversation, like, you know, being spending eight years. And mm. uh, thankfully you're back. But like, what would you say has kind of been like your biggest challenge uh, of your coaching journey and how have you been able to deal with it? Um, I, I think my biggest challenge was trying to fit everything in. Mm. Um Obviously, when I, within the roles that you may have, you, you're still trying, I suppose, to, to, to earn a wage. Um, but you're trying to get that invaluable education all the time. You, you're trying to be that potentially one step ahead of others that you, you perceptionally think. Um, so there was times where I was teaching. I was then tutoring in the evening. I then had a camp in the weekend. I, then, I, was, I was at Forest and I was coaching six days a week, a game on a Saturday, game on a Sunday, bang straight in the next week, teaching during the day. And I think it's that you get in such a, a cycle of everything that you forget probably about yourself at times and having that personal life. Um, mm. Thankfully, I've got, I've got a very supportive um, relationship and family. And I think it's, it's that period of time where when it stops, it really does stop and you think, oh my, it's hit me like a train. Um, and I think that 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 period of time where you, you, you think that it's the right thing to do is just keep going. Um, but you, you probably don't get to stop and review and reflect upon everything as best as you can. But yeah, trying to fit everything in, it, it was really, really tough. But, but I, do I regret it? No, I don't. Absolutely not. I think it's it just became a way of life for me. But at the same time, because of the love that I had with all of it, it just it was it was brilliant, mm. <laughs> as mad as it may sound. And, um, you know, we're now kind of winding down now on this uh, conversation. And just when you started at the age of, was it 17, 16? Yeah. 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 So basically yesterday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're able to turn um, time back now and uh, talk to yourself when you first got into coaching, uh, what would you tell a young James Barler? I think it's a brilliant question and I, I think it's, it's be more self-aware, get it wrong and when it is wrong, accept that it is wrong or understand the feedback because people are trying to help you. Be around as many people as you can to, to understand but sometimes don't always crave that feedback. Like Review it yourself first um, because I think we, we've all been guilty or I, I definitely have of doing something and wanting immediate feedback. Mm. Um, and I think that that self-awareness piece is is such a fine, soft skill that it, I'm really only touching the surface for now. And I think if if I was to understand that at the age when I was 16, 17, I, I think it would have it would have been extremely beneficial for me.
definitely. And I think, you know, just just touching, you know, building on that, you know, it would be interesting to know, having gone back to that point, you know, the age 16, mm. 17, giving mm. yourself that message, fast forward to now, you know, having the experience of being an analyst, having the experience of now work, or limited experience now working in the PDP phase yeah. as a coach. Uh, obviously, you know, lockdown's kind of just really uh, taken that away from me at this moment in time a little bit. Um, and obviously having the futsal experience mm. and, you know, the range of other experience in terms of your teaching, your lecture and stuff. I'd be very interested to know now yeah. what you would see next for James Barlow. I think next for me, it's 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 putting my feet firmly on the ground um, and not looking at, and just not looking at what's next, almost thinking this is now a period for me where I can gain a really strong level of continuity and consistency in a workplace. Uh, one that I love and one that I want to be, want to thrive and be challenged in. And I think for me, having that vast period of um, time up in, up in the Midlands, but there was, there was a lot of workplaces in a lot of period of times. Um, and I think for me now, it's, I just want to put my feet firmly on the ground, um, work hard within what I do and just contribute with a, with a view of longevity and sustainability. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you kind of building on that then, it'll be interesting you know, if you now had to fast forward, you know, however long, however many years, and I wish you had the longest career possible. At the end of your career, what would you want your legacy to be? Oh, what a great question. Um, well, as you said about the career aspects, I think it's have the best time possible within the short period of time that you may have within the game. Uh, and what I mean by that is you think 20 years is a career, 30 years, but it's not a long period of time, really. Um, it's, I suppose I want to look back and think I've had a great time in football. Um, uh, but at the same time, embracing and enjoying the chaos of the game, uh, however mm. emotional, however erratic it is, is just is really looking back and thinking that that I've developed some exceptional um, talent of exceptional players, exceptional people when think, but I've had a really good time during it. And I think, um, again, sky's the limit with it really. And I'm really not sure how else to answer that question. Because I think legacy wise, I don't think it's me for to dictate that. I'd, I'd like to think that, um, you, you let your work do the noise almost. Um, and if you have a legacy, amazing. If you don't, then I suppose it's it's part of the parcel and that's not a problem at all. It, it, it might just have an influence on one person and that could be quite fulfilling. Definitely. You know, just as we start to wind down there, then I'm wondering if we had seconds now for you to package away a golden nugget for our listeners, what would that be? Um, I think... Understand, understand the game for what it is in a really simplistic way. It's so complex, but embrace it. As I said, the chaos of it. Believe in what you do, but provide clarity for your players as best as possible. Their role, their, the detail that they may um, provide. So you want to create the best players possible within the best technical aspects, but you want to stretch their their intelligence and I think the the more you you allow the players to be part of that process and fuel their behaviours during that time I think that the more success that you could potentially have but probably for me understand how other sports work how other platforms work how other people work and make sense of it yourself mm. definitely yeah, some good some good bits convinced there I mean I think in terms of just kind of touching on your experiences I think you know, it's very interesting to know that after all the different experiences, you still want to go out and get some more in terms of the different pathways within the game. And I, and I wish you all the best in terms of your new role. Um, Thank you. As the under-18 under at Portsmouth. Of course. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe we can have a part two one day and we're sitting here. You might be the first team manager one day. Who knows? <laughs> okay, a, bit of a, journey, a bit of a journeyman so mm. far. You know, fair play to you, mate. It's, you know, it's, it's, you seem to be doing really well with that. Um, well, there you have it, guys. It's been another fantastic some brilliant insights, plenty of golden nuggets for everyone to take away and apply. Uh, James, you know, he's, he's shared a bit of insight across different disciplines within the game. Um, you know, it's been quite interesting for me and Ben to kind of listen in on as well. But I just want to say thanks again for tuning in, guys. As usual, I've been joined by my co-host, Ben, but a very special thanks to our guest, James Barlow. Thanks again, James. 
Um, thank, thank you very, thank thank you very James. much for having me. Do get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and what your key takeaways were from today. And on that note, James, I'm not sure if you've got anywhere in particular that you could, uh, I guess, be contacted by the listeners if they wanted to. Uh, yeah, so if, if you wanted to uh, contact me on Twitter, I'm more than happy for that. So that's at JamesBarlow77. Um, more than happy to take any questions or messages. Brilliant. Um, Thank you for listening. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for your time again, James. And on that note, guys, if you wanted to get in touch with myself, I'm Coach Yas. You can find me on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Ben? And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBSS. Guys, make sure you get in touch. Let us know your thoughts on today's episode, your key takeaways. And also, we're very intrigued to know where you're listening in from. Over the last few weeks in particular, our listenership has grown globally. We're now present in over 20 different countries. So do let us know where you're listening from. Please do not forget to hashtag the Coaches Network. Make sure you like, comment, follow, share with everyone, your colleagues, your players, your family members, your 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 analysts, your futsal coaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let, let them know. Um, but guys, keep an eye out for our social media for the latest updates and announcements um, on upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. Um, and if you've got any guests that you'd like to hear, on the show or any topics you'd like to hear discussed please let us know on that note as well but until next time guys thanks again for our guest James Barlow thank you perfect James so what we're going to do first of all thank you very much for your time Uh, what we'll do is we'll put it together Um, I'll send something across to you in the next few days have a Mm -hmm. listen back to it and just remember just one final note you you have met Ben before so just remember how big he is (laughs) Um, so if you know if, if we if we don't hear back from you then we'll take that we'll take that as you're happy. Portsmouth is near. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one additional thing there as well, James. I'm not sure if you have anyone that you may that you think may be um worth I guess sort of pursuing for us as a guest. Um but if you do we'll be more than um you know happy to kind of I guess be connected to anyone that you feel you feel might be of of use or might be of uh, I guess interest to the platform essentially yeah sure um but again thank you again for your time uh, we'll definitely be in touch over the next no, few days you, again good luck on your new role and hopefully you get back into uh, the environment as soon as possible thank you well hopefully definitely. hopefully that was all right for you no it's good and uh it's really... i appreciate appreciate your time also it's, it's nice to just chat sometimes isn't it <laughs> 100%. for real 100 percent yeah, we haven't done we haven't done enough of it in this no. time anyway. <laughs> it is, it's been it's been loads of discussions that need to be had, and I think um, the fact that we've been able to get, kind of do this during this time has been almost a, a blessing in disguise because a lot of people have been struggling. To, yeah, hundred percent, man. For me personally, I mean, we, I mean, I mean yeah, because has been recording our Ben, but we're close to maybe forty-five episodes oh, in the last four weeks. Something, something like that. Um, yeah. So you know, long may it continue, and you know, like I said, one day we might get you on a part two with a as a first team manager. <laughs> Getting Portsmouth co- co- promoted, <laughs> and one can we'll only hope, mate. All the way back to the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thanks again, James. Um, take care, mate. And we'll Cheers, James. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Nice one, James. In a bit. Well, there you have it, guys. It's another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.